there are moments in history that just seem to change everything for us. They change the way we look at the world. They change the way we handle our lives. You may think back to some of the things in your life and remember some of those moments. I remember when I was in middle school. The first time I went to Rosa's Cafe and had their beef fajitas. I am telling you, it changed my life. All right, maybe it wasn't that good, but they are pretty darn good. And if you're from West Texas, you know exactly what I am talking about. But we have moments in our lives that do seem to change everything. If you're at least 30 years old, you probably remember 9-11. And you remember how life was before 9-11 and how life has been different ever since after 9-11. Even as we look back in the Bible, one of my favorite books is the book of Acts. As we look at the book of Acts, the church is, is gathered together after Jesus is risen that we're celebrating here today. And then persecution comes, which seems like such a horrible and ugly thing, and it was, but all of a sudden God used what was bad and turned it around for the good, and the church spread and literally spread around the world to you and I meeting here online today because of what happened in that moment, in that season of history. Some moments in our lives and throughout history will forever mark history and will forever mark our lives. We're living in one of those moments right now. I think we're all aware of that. We're going to get through this, but after we get through this, life is never going to be exactly like it used to be. We're going to do things different and see things different. We're in one of those moments right now. And also we are celebrating one of those moments right now because today you and I are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are celebrating Easter. A moment in history that forever changed everything. And that today is where we put our hope and where we put our trust in a risen Messiah. Who would have thought that today we would be gathering together in a new way, celebrating an empty tomb, but from empty churches. We're here in our new building that we haven't even got to meet in yet. We're celebrating an empty tomb from an empty church. But I want to encourage you today, friends. God is doing something in our midst. Not just the church, not just humanity as a whole, God wants to do something in your life. And I want to encourage you, don't let this opportunity pass you by for God to mark and change your life forever. The real question is, are we going to let this history-shaping moment change us? Whether we're talking about COVID-19 or whether we're talking about a resurrected Messiah, Are we going to let this history-shaping moment change us to become more like Christ? Today I want us to look back at some of the people who have gone before us, who had the opportunity to have their lives changed by a risen Messiah. In the Gospels, we see the Holy Week accounts that start with Palm Sunday. We talked about that last week, leading up to the betrayal of Jesus and the arrest of Jesus mocking Him and putting Him on trial and eventually His crucifixion on Good Friday. And then on Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ 
raises from the dead, conquering death and hell for you and I. These are life-changing moments. As we look back at this gap of time from Palm Sunday to the resurrection, we see four different crowds that I want us to look at today. The first crowd is simply this. It's a crowd that says, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this deal? Or you could put it this way. This crowd says, I know enough about Jesus that I want Him on my side. But that's good enough. You see, at Passover, there were thousands upon thousands of people that had gathered in Jerusalem. They had shown up. His majesty was declared. But eventually, He's arrested. He's put on trial. These people that have gathered there, certainly they've heard the stories of Jesus. Some of them know some people firsthand that have been changed by Jesus. Maybe one of the people that was healed. Maybe His revolutionary message. These people have heard the stories. They might have even been there in that procession on Palm Sunday where people got excited and they started laying down palm branches and taking off their cloaks and putting them before Jesus, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. The coming kingdom of David, God's power and authority coming in His name is here and now. They were there yelling that. They might have heard others yelling that. I don't know for sure how many of those people that were chanting on Palm Sunday might have been the same people that just a few chapters later will chant, crucify Him, crucify Him. It says this in Mark chapter 15, verses 6 through 15. Now it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews, Pilate asked? For he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd and demanded the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, Then what do you want me to do with this king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, Crucify him! Crucify him! At the beginning of the week, the chants were, Hosanna! Save now! They had their hopes in a Savior and a Messiah that they were anticipating would set them free from the oppression of the Romans. But something happened in that week as they saw Jesus arrested and beaten, as they saw Him held captive and wasn't fighting back. By the end of the week, as Pontius Pilate asked, which one do you want released? They've got a choice. They've got Barabbas. At least Barabbas killed one of the Romans in an insurrection. They think at least He's done that. We chanted for Jesus to be our Messiah, but... He's not that impressive, they might have thought. It would have been easy for these people chanting to think, Jesus is not going to take care of our problems. He is not the solution 
to the issue that we are facing. He's not going to take down Rome, which is what they wanted him to do. It's a crowd that shows up at Easter and says, what's in it for me? It's a crowd that has tried religion and said, meh, I didn't get much out of it really. Have you ever had a time like that in your life? Where you had to get really serious about God because something was going on in your life. So you begin to pray and you begin to go to church and you said, God, I'm going to clean my life up. I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to start doing that. And at the end of it, you found out that cancer still spreads. You found out that tumors still grow. You found out that some broken relationships may never be mended again found out that businesses still have to close their doors. Golf clap, Jesus. Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. All that worthless chanting and cheering in your direction. I showed up at church. I prayed. I sang the little songs. I even put some money in the box. For what? What did I get out of it? This is the first crowd that shows up at Easter. It's a large crowd. It was a large crowd then and it's a large crowd now. Maybe you felt this way before. The result of coming to Jesus with this perspective of what's in it for me is you're going to be frustrated and disappointed with God. And some of you may feel that way today. And I want to say it's okay. Because it's the grace and mercy of God that's reaching out to you right now, in this very moment. You may have felt like God has not come through for you the way that you wanted Him to. I want to encourage you with this today as we celebrate a risen Savior. Jesus did not die to grant your wishes. He didn't die to be your slave and make you happy. Jesus died to set you free from the slavery of your sin. To make you whole again. To make you a new creation. He's not here just to pour blessings on your life. He's here to give you a new life and to change your life from the inside out. Jesus is not something you just try. Jesus is one that you surrender to. The crowd chanted, save now, bless our lives. And then they turned around and chanted, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. We've cheered for him before. We didn't get what we wanted out of it. Whether we're talking about Easter or living in 2020, God will allow you to be disappointed with Him if in the end it will bring your attention and your heart back to Him. All you have to do is turn on the news for a few minutes these days and you will find some of the most ridiculous people in the entire world You've probably seen the clips on social media or YouTube that are out there. People who just absolutely think that they are smarter than this entire virus, right? I mean, they've got conspiracy theories that this whole thing is just completely a hoax. It's not even real. Nobody really has it. Or they just go out and, and party on the beach, whatever it may be. But the point is, they feel like they're smarter than the situation, That's the second crowd. When it comes to Easter and when it comes to Jesus, 
Sometimes we feel like we're smarter than God. Now, nobody needs to raise your hand in the comments right now if you feel like you're smarter than God. That's probably just bad juju on Easter, right? But in Mark's Gospel, the trial's going on, and they accuse Jesus of doing wrong. They finally have Him captured. But there isn't anything that He can be blamed for, and it's driving the chief priest crazy. They want to nail Him down. Mark chapter 14 and verse 60, it says, Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked Him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need other witnesses? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him. And they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered. And the guards slapped him as they took him away. Now why did they do this to Jesus? I mean, was it because he was just such a nice guy? Now as they put him on trial before the religious leaders, they said, who are you? And he does something that you and I may miss. He quotes a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Daniel about the coming Messiah. The Messiah who would save and redeem the world. The Messiah who is the very Son of God. Jesus isn't just talking about riding on clouds because it's cool. He's referring to this prophecy in Daniel about the Messiah that would come. And Jesus said, I am that Messiah. I am the Messiah that you have been praying for, for generation after generation. This crowd says this, I know enough about God to make my own Jesus. And this crowd would have looked at Jesus and said, it's not you. I can make a better Messiah than you. You have let down my expectations. But that's them. In the Bible times. That's not us, right? I mean, we would never say, I could make a better Jesus, you know? A Jesus who would never send anyone to hell. A Jesus who would never say, this is right and that's wrong. Maybe we would want a Jesus who's alright with us as long as we're not hurting anybody. You see, we're just as guilty as they are of thinking that we're smarter than God. That if God could come in a human form and God could be present here with us, this is what He would be like. I'll make it up myself for what feels good to me. A variation of the Jesus in the Bible that's updated for 2020. We feel like we're smarter than God. The result is this will leave us with a false sense of spirituality. Where we're convinced that we are good with God, that God is good with us, Even though we don't agree with the Bible and we don't agree with Jesus, we pick and choose the parts we want. The third crowd, you can find them in the book of, well, you're not going to find them in a book or a verse, 
because they're not there. And don't go thinking I'm adding stuff to the Bible. These are the extras in the scene. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem. And we see tiny portions of them listed in the Scripture. But there are thousands of other people who are surrounding this scene that is going on. Likely when Palm Sunday is happening, there were hundreds of people lining the streets. Maybe even, let's be generous and say, thousands of people that line the street. When we get to the, to the temple where they have the trial, maybe 200 people would have been able to pack into there. So we see hundreds, maybe even thousands that are paying attention to what is going on, but they play no obvious role. You see, the third crowd is just there, celebrating the holiday, eating some good food, catching up with old friends. And what happens as the Messiah shows up, as He comes into town, plays no effect on their lives whatsoever. You see, this crowd says, I know just enough about Jesus to celebrate the holiday and to make Grandma happy, right? That's as much of Jesus as I need to know. It's the holiday crowd. They're there for the Passover, but Jesus is going to ride into their Passover. He's going to be arrested during their Passover. He's going to be crucified during their Passover. And He is going to raise from the dead. But most of the crowd will leave completely unchanged. And Jesus doesn't force the issue. He simply carries out God's plan to make salvation available to mankind. But here's the scary thing about Easter. Is that you can walk away from Easter or maybe another Easter and you can be completely unchanged. We could even say the same thing about this virus that we're facing. You could walk away from this and completely miss what God is wanting to do in your life in this moment. God is wanting to do an amazing work in all of us. That third crowd is the largest crowd. It was most of the people who completely missed what God was trying to do in their lives at that moment. The fourth crowd is the smallest crowd. After Jesus rises from the dead, we see that 120 people gather. The last crowd says this, I will follow and do whatever God wants me to do. You see, these people have seen a risen Savior and it has changed their lives. The same men who just a few days earlier were running for their lives and denying that they knew Jesus will now go on in the book of Acts to lay down their lives to follow the Messiah and to speak the gospel to mankind. Mark 16, 1-8 says this, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Solomon, went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up. And they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, 
they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting at the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body was laid. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. These same people that were hiding for their lives just days ago are now completely changed by a risen Savior. You see, Jesus backed up everything that He said He was going to do, even though the people closest to Him had a hard time believing it because it was so miraculous. All of history has been shaped by this one moment that we celebrate at Easter. Our calendars have been split. We we pattern our years after the holidays that we celebrate because Jesus has changed history. And He has changed our lives. Throughout every culture, throughout every disaster that mankind has ever known and around the world, the same power that rose from the dead on Easter Sunday lives right here, right now, even in the midst of the virus that is around our world. We serve a risen Savior who has conquered death and hell. All four crowds believe that they're good with God. But according to Scripture, only one crowd is good with God. The crowd who is willing to say, I surrender. I surrender my life to follow you. I don't know what tomorrow holds for me. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you, our church, or mankind. But I know this. Our God is good. And He is faithful. And He has conquered death and hell. Would you pray with me this Easter? Dear Heavenly Father. We thank You that You sent Jesus. Lord that we might be changed. That we might be redeemed and made new creations. Lord, we don't want to just know who you are. We don't want to just be in the crowd. And Father, we certainly don't want to think that we are smarter than you. But Father, today we come to you. We humble ourselves. We turn from our wicked ways. And we say, God, we want to give you our lives and give you our hearts. And in turn, Father, would you also heal our land? Would you move in our midst, in our families? Would you move in the city of San Antonio, Father? Lord, we ask together that you would lift this virus from mankind. That you would heal the sick. That you would work in hearts. But Father, we say let it begin with us. Right here and right now, we surrender all that we are to you. Come and move in us. Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his blood that sets us free. Thank you that he rose from the grave conquering death and hell. In Jesus' name.
Amen.